0: Hello, 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 hello. Refigure. Clippity-clop-clop.
1: Hi, I'm Reefa.
0: I'm Christopher.
1: And welcome to Refigure, the weekly podcast about arts, tech, diversity and culture.
0: It's very nice to be back with you. What are we talking about this week, Reefile?
1: This week... (laughs) We <laughs> Pamela. Pamela. We're talking about Adele. No, we're not talking about Adele. We're not. We're talking not about talking Adele. about any bad things. We are talking about Black AF, which is a Curb Your Enthusiasm style sitcom starring Kanye. No God. I can't even speak. Kenya Barris. I thought you
0: were making a joke.
1: Yeah. Well, well it's because you say call me Pamela. Kanye Barris. No, Kenya Barris as himself, and Rashida Jones as his wife. Joya Barris. Kenya Barris is the hit tv writer behind Blackish and this is a spoof version of his family navigating wealth and fame and we're also going to be talking a little bit about the ballet and I watch Ryan Murphy's drama series which is new on Netflix called Hollywood about actors who are also gigolos Gigolo, Gigolo, 1940s Hollywood after World War II, which stars Jim Parsons, Laura Harrier, Jeremy Pope and David Correnswet. Terrible name. How are you, Chris?
0: I am really well this week. It's been a very relaxed, fun week. haven't done very much. I've come to peace with not only lockdown, but the future for things, even when they look quite bleak. changeable I am at peace with whatever is to come. How are you doing?
1: I'm fine. I didn't think we were allowed to talk about that. Thought we weren't going to talk about.
0: No, we can do it now. It's fine.
1: Anyway, I feel good about
0: things. Yes,
1: I'm not going to say anything. Okay. So, what should we talk about first?
0: Well, let's start off with um, black AF. Okay. Um, Kenya Barris, we didn't actually watch Blackish, but Kenya Barris has, like, come to fame as a brilliant comedy, dark comedy TV writer, and also, I guess, a spokesman writing and talking about race. And then Black AF is this quite hard-hitting sitcom.
2: So I'm making this documentary about my family, and they kind of stick out. Just keep this long and loose. I want you to catch everything. There's a lot of us, and these are our parents.
1: You're such a bad
2: mom. When you're mixed mother. You were constantly tested on your blackness. Name the Fab Five. Name the Jackson Five. Name all the members of the Wayans family. Do you know? No. Mom, come on. You're the whitest person I know. Hey, at least if you're going to shoot a gun, shoot it like that. Have you ever seen Boys in the Hood? Let's go.
0: There is a, a fictional TV camera crew in the show ostensibly it's the idea is one of their daughters is making a college project type film reality tv type series about her family and she is filming it and editing it but she's got like quite an expensive camera crew because they're suddenly super rich and then her parents have this very spiky uh, bickering marriage and then they're also now just navigating being big names in the world of
1: in the world of entertainment that the whole point is that they are a black family with six kids, and the first few episodes are around them, like navigating that wealth. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, the success. They yeah. have stepped into a world where you know they might go to a fancier place with their fancier, louder car. They feel well. Certainly, the the husband, the dad in it, feels very um, self conscious about that. And what's different about it is that they, although. It A lot of it is kind of situational comedy around the fact that they are elevated black people and they might have an episode where they bring all their black friends, their family over because the mum is worried that their kids are too white and they don't know how to dance and they don't know their roots. And they've had everything taken care for them. the little kids, certainly. And then there's like sometimes there are episodes where they are nostalgic about black comedy shows like the Cosby Show, for example, and about having seen these rich families, or even Fresh prints that sort of thing, that there were middle class families or upper middle class families who were black that were aspirational. What's fantastic about it is bang in the middle. This is what we were talking about last week, where where if you've got a platform, use it if you can, right? Where they chuck in the middle of these episodes, which seem to be just normal kind of family drama. I mean, the, the the parents are pretty harsh with each other, and he often says you're a shit mother to her, yeah. which is the worst that you would say to well, anyone. They're bad. I think they're
0: objectively in the eye of the series, they're poor parents, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and and the guy is bad on lots of different yeah. levels. Anyway, they throw in a little, almost like a documentary segment. That's where the trope of the documentary being done by his daughter with these resources given to her by her father is turned on its head because they do use it to put in a little bit of Black history stuff. So there's stuff about slavery, there's stuff about Black women um, portrayal in media, and there's stuff around civil rights in there. I mean, there's there's stories that are just little nuggets to give context to where this family are coming from, and that was would never have been seen in any
0: sitcom ever no it's absolutely brilliant so you've got a pretty consistently funny it is pretty consistently funny snarky show of a format all the way through in the middle they drop those bits that you're talking about that worked so well that was brilliant
1: and it's hugely powerful and it, it gives a weight to something i mean anything with rashida jones in is brilliant i always think you know she talks about the fact that she's mixed race and how she feels differently about. It. And then there's a whole bit where they feel like they're they're in their forties and they want to be cool and they go to a rave and they take drugs and then <laughs> yeah, their that's daughters really there. Fringing. That kind of like classic generational thing that goes on in lots of sitcoms, you know, but one of the ones that really stood out for me oh, sorry, I'm getting sort of breathless about it because I found it so interesting, the whole idea of it all. The whole kind of like bearing all One of the episodes I really liked was where the two girls, the two teenage girls, they're very close in age and one of them is talks about being a bad bitch and being like an Instagram girl and all about appearance and explains all of that to her mother who's worried about her younger daughter being overly sexualized. and then there's another girl who's very geeky and we're on her side as a feminist you know quite a lot of the time when the debate's happening and then the other girl kind of gives the other arguments around sexuality and feminism from that point of view and I just found that episode really heartening as well like I'm the mum's age in it so I'm like I don't care I don't I have teenage girls right but at the same time I'm like there's a bit in it where they go mum didn't you not have your bad bitch phase and Rashida Jones goes no and then they show this picture which is like with her in a bikini with her anyway you have to watch it it's very well done I really enjoy it I hope it goes on you know, and there's more seasons for it. It doesn't make me want want to watch any of his stuff. But the other episode that I really loved was one where they talk about um, the father and the filmmaker daughter hate on a black director's film, a contemporary film, and they hate it and they can't understand why everybody else loves it. And they explore all the themes around it. And we probably guess you guess what the film is. And they didn't want to criticize it because it's another black director. Anyway, it's just. Full of full of joy and goodness. This this program and it's very well written and it's and it's all the things that you want to ask but you can't ask or want to debate and you can't debate and it's just interesting and it's also a very Black American uh, world.
0: I love how it uses the trick of getting stars to play themselves. I mean, we've seen that in loads of places and that is a very Kirby enthusiasm thing as well. But it does it particularly well. There's a fantastic bit where he goes to talk to Tyler Perry, but then he exposes himself as a bad dad in front of Tyler Perry. And Tyler Perry gets to be shocked at his parenting. And it really collapses the conceit of he's trying to do this kind of... um, proper documented conversation with Tyler Perry and but it is it's yeah it's brilliant I did think it so maybe this is I don't know what was I going to say I did think it wasn't quite on a par with the very best of that Tropes, uh, that style of. So it wasn't as good as Curb. No. And I also felt occasionally it got too close to what Curb does. So there is an episode where they all went on holiday where he goes through the rigmarole of forking out loads of money for a private chartered jet to take them on holiday. And then they have this awkward, annoying holiday. And a lot of the stuff that happened in that. ...was mirrored in an episode... ...was exactly the same as in a recent episode of Curb... ...in the in the tenth season of Curb... ...where he hires them a jet to take them to a wedding... ...I think it is... ...and I, I did wonder if there were bits of it... ...where the wealthy Hollywood experience... ...overwhelmed the underlying stuff... ...that they're trying to say... ...simply because that's the experience... ...and that made it a little bit less funny... ...that they're so privileged basically... ...made it a little bit less funny... But also because of the bit you said about the little the little history lesson in each one that they've crowbarred in incredibly well, I felt like I could I could almost forgive them anything. You know, yeah, if it was
1: the difference with Curb and this and the other thing we we spoke about last week. It's just that it's got different generations in it.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. about
1: teenagers. I mean, that's what's missing from Seinfeld and from Friends and all those you know, nineties. We went backwards a bit, you know, from the eighties. So I think um it's fascinating because it's this this thing of like the aspirational.
0: So that's black A F and it's on Netflix. I think I might run an advert. I'll run the advert. I love rummaging through boxes, actually. Nothing gives me more joy than just opening a box and going, So what have we got? I will always find interest in something they used to have big fridges outside in the garden
1: full of um, things you know ready for stuffing the whole museum would be full of the smell of boiled badger <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> series two of our acclaimed podcast voices at the royal pavilion of museums is out now you're going to meet some of the walking encyclopedias working on the front line of brighton's museum service You'll be introduced to the weird and wonderful creatures of Brighton's iconic booth Museum of Natural History. You'll hear about the new models of collecting that are enabling unheard voices to be represented in Brighton Museum how staff have been narrating the queer history of Royal Pavilion and museums collections, making the organization a beacon for LGBTQ communities in Brighton and beyond.
0: If like the gay people left <laughs> would anyone would anyone do it I don't know if, I don't know if they would
2: and you'll hear about the precious historical items to be found when rummaging through boxes behind the scenes at the museum. Join me, Dr Sophie Frost, wherever you get your podcasts. Search and subscribe to Voices of the Royal Pavilion and Museums, where you can also catch up with Series 1. Thank you for listening.
0: You also watched the Ryan Murphy show, Hollywood. You've just binged it. I tried to watch a bit of that and I couldn't stand it but I, and i knew i wouldn't be able to but i'll let you talk about it and then i've got to have a couple of minutes to slag it off but you can we, we, I'll, I'll try and keep it to a minimum the
1: whole world needs a little bit of shazam j- like not shazam what's it called pizzazz 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 we need the whole world needs a little bit of zhuzhing up of sh- like you know some some niceness okay
0: some niceness.
1: what this is okay (laughs) the
0: whole world needs some niceness right now
1: listen listen to me right everyone gets nostalgic okay when bad things are going on we want to watch something that doesn't have bad things happening in it this thing is called hollywood it's got some black characters in it and you expect it uh, post second world war And you expect it to have some horrible things happening in it like what we expect from that time period none of that happens in it in fact it's a total fantasy about what would the world have been like if a studio had been run by a woman had gay characters come being openly gay and coming out and 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 chinese actors being cast in roles that they Win Oscars for, and the main premise for it is that the char- main character. Oh, and what if all the women were all friends in it and not being mean to each other? And it looked amazing, and there was some hot sex in it. And if the main character of a blockbuster Hollywood film was a black woman. In that time period, what would that have been like? What I like about it is a kind of mix of Mad Men with those sorts of um, nice costumes. And the arc of it is all around this main film and whether or not it's going to get made. Um, And there's all these this sort of comedy intrigue around um, famous people having sexy parties and um, and and the Black Writer what if a black writer wrote a black film what the whole world would have been like differently there's so many bits of it where you think oh that's never going to happen I actually thought that that wasn't going to be the main premise of the film at all because it was like an aside that oh what if you what if the director changed the main character from a blonde woman to a black woman and I was like oh yeah that's not going to happen in my head I'm watching it and then they do and they change it and the whole thing changes there's a lovely cameo with Queen Latifah who plays um, Hattie McDaniel the actress that won an Oscar the first black woman who went to win an Oscar
0: From, from Gone With The Wind yes
1: from Gone With The Wind it's fascinating it's beautifully done it's brilliant she mentors this actress I mean it doesn't matter that none of this is real none of this has happened or if some of it was real and some of it didn't happen we know there was an actor called Rock Hudson who was not gay i mean was gay but was not openly gay what would have happened if he was openly gay i mean it's just fun it's just fun there's no bad violence happens in it except actually there's one violent scene where somebody who's racist gets his arm broken but anyway all i'm saying is
0: the only episode i saw uh, had violence in it against the gossip columnist where they beat him up so that he wouldn't expose a story
1: he wasn't he he was a right-wing journalist
0: But he was like writing gossip about the film. He was going to, he was going to, he got the scoop on one of them being gay or one of them being a rent boy or something. So they got the mob to beat him up to within an inch of his life.
1: Yeah, I like that bit. Okay. Anyway, I just, I just wanted to watch something like, I found it really heartwarming. The final episode where it's just a proper, they could even call it a proper Hollywood ending. That's what we want. We want some feel good.
0: Ryan Murphy, obviously he did, so he comes out of Nip-Tuck and then he does Glee. So then he kind of invents the musical TV genre. And then he's done some really interesting radical stuff, like obviously he did Pose. That's a really radical show that I, I think skirts two things really well. So it's does what we set we talk about a lot, which is this seeing stuff for the first time on see, on screen and it being incredibly empowering and, and uh, inclusive. To see this stuff that we haven't seen before, but he also makes popular, in some ways, lightweight. I'm not saying Pose is always lightweight, but very enter- he's entertainment oriented. He makes stuff that's chewy and and enjoyable. And I, so for me, I just didn't want that particular era and that particular story to be told in that way. No,
1: I understand. I understand, and it was unrealistic, and the whole thing was too. Malty. I mean, you, I
0: haven't seen the very end.
1: But I want to just say that makes total sense now, just reminded me about who made the, the series in the first place, because there's this whole scene where one of the producers wants to uh, put a dance number with like a swimming pool and some girls oh, doing... must Busby Berkeley yeah, style. Towards the end to shush up this film. And they did that in Pose a couple of times there were some dream sequences in this last series of Pose and they didn't they didn't have any musical numbers in this at all and there was there was some bits in it was ripe for like a Grease type style um, song and dance number and they, and they with didn't. the with the pump attendant. oh the
0: gas attendant. yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's really good they didn't because remember a few weeks ago we talked about Quiz the British show ITV drama where they did they couldn't resist a kind of absolutely ludicrous dream sequence Uh, musical number
1: I think there's some great bits in it where um, there's a producer who is exploits young gay men or get you know young men to, to in order to get what he wants in order to give them parts and it's horrible and he has a epiphany towards the end of the series where he asks for forgiveness I mean it's just it you know it's one of those what ifs and i haven't seen one of those phrases i mean every other thing we watch is a ground hog day type thing. we might as well have one where like what if the president was different what if things were different what if you know the world had changed
0: i was going to ask so in the episode i watched there was the use of the homophobic f word uh, although it was sort of claimed back by a character so it was it was done in a Maybe the right way. But that word was thrown about a bit. I assume they didn't throw about racist words. Once
1: or twice. Once, and it was a, a black character that said it because yeah. he was explaining how upset he was that his name was going to get taken off the, yeah. the credits. But anyway, it's just interesting. And who doesn't like, I think, it's, again, it's intergenerational. There's a lot of older women in it who find love later. And it's just fun. And it starts off, with this thing of like turning it on on its head where you've got young men as the prostitutes and, and you know the kind of high society women Vivian Lee pops up in it yeah um and I do think you know how you go on about class, Casablanca Casablanca Cla- Casablanca to me all the time you should probably watch Gone with the Wind and because it's one of those films where you think it is one thing but actually I mean it was For me, when I was a kid, it was one of those films where there's a woman at the heart of it and she doesn't get what she wants in it. She goes on a journey and the black woman in it wins an Oscar.
0: Frankly, my dear, don't give a damn.
1: It doesn't matter, but you you should, you should watch it because it's part of of, a film legacy.
0: we move on to the books the only other thing we've done a bit of in the last couple of weeks that we haven't mentioned is we've been watching some of the ballet that's been put online because of all the dance companies being out we saw particularly great um my sister anna recommended the english national ballet and they've been putting on a different show each week and it's on youtube for free all week and then they change it up and we also watched a couple of other things so we watched ballet black and we watched akram khan doing dust and we watched the Frida Carlo Ballet. What's it called? Um,
1: Broken Wings, it's called.
0: Uh, we also watched the Frida Carlo based sort of biographical ballet, Broken Wings. I would really recommend, if you're not that interested in dance, still going and checking out the English National Ballet's YouTube. Because a lot of these pieces, they're just sort of... You can get stuff that's 15, 20 minutes long, or you can get pieces that are maybe 45 minutes long and they are very simply filmed so you are watching just the filming of the live stage show like these national theatre productions as well but it's a great entry point into enjoying a bit of dance and maybe you'll discover a kind of art form that you haven't previously watched. I've been really enjoying them. I love dance anyway and we haven't been watching very many super challenging, super sort of um, super contemporary yeah we're not watching Richard Alston or whatever Trumley's and Fanshawe we're watching um, we're just watching it's just ballet it's lovely have you felt like it's worth watching those things?
1: I quite like it I did say to the head of uh, the Southeast Dance charity which is based in Brighton not that long ago that I don't really get it <laughs> I don't really understand dance as an art form I didn't realise it was so wow. massive but it, I know I'm terrible what was their response thought, to you? she just sort of looked down her nose at me <laughs> um, I just think um, I just think it's interesting isn't it because I forget of course you said but, uh, dance ballet is massive and like I don't equate the whole thing of like ballet modern dance, street dance, dancing, house dancing, movement, you know, as all the same thing. You know?
0: No. Fair. Anyway, play.
1: it's fun to watch. I especially like the Frida Kahlo stuff because it's costume and Well because you love yes.
0: Frida Kahlo. What are you for? What are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you reading for? <laughs> what are you reading
1: for? <laughs> what are you reading, Chris?
0: Well I have just begun well I haven't really got into it, um Colson Whitehead's book, incredibly acclaimed book the Underground Railroad the uh, reason I decided I'd pick it up it's like three years old now or whatever is that uh, um, he's just been awarded the Pulitzer for the second time hardly anyone in history has got the Pulitzer more than once for fiction and he's just had it twice so that made me think why the hell haven't I read Colson Whitehead so it's The Underground Railroad it's not his most up-to-date book I guess it came down—it came out in like 2017 or 2018 something like that it's a uh, history Novel, fictionalized history novel about uh, enslaved people escaping slavery via the Underground Railroad, but he does a kind of magic realist thing where he gives it a physical form of a railroad.
1: Oh, I see, because I was about to pull it up about the fact that they've got like railroad tracks on the cover. Yes. And I have had people think that it was a real,
0: actual train. That's, well, in a way, what he's doing with the novel is using that as the motif of the novel in order to tell people what it really is. But yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah.
1: it was an underground network, you know, like the resistance, people having safe houses and being able to get from the South to the North without getting caught and killed or taken back into slavery.
0: Yeah, (laughs) fascinating. What are you reading, Reefa?
1: Reefa is reading something called You Are a Badass at Making Money, which is a non-fiction book. By the New York Times, number one New York Times bestselling author of "You Are a Badass," <laughs> Jen Sincero. I find it really funny when authors have got names like that. Like you know,
0: Barry, believe me.
1: No, like <laughs> if you were, if you were writing a self book and you
0: were called Refa Hopeful Righteousness.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Jen That's
0: Sincero. It. Anyway, it'd be great if she married Jed Mercurio oh and then they'd be Mr. and Mrs. Sincero Mercurio
1: so she silly Chris it says on the back it's a life changing guide to making the kind of money you've only ever dreamed of siren went off which means that it's going to be true and good I just like reading sometimes books like this to keep you a bit buoyant when you're feeling a bit worried about cash flow and whether or not you do any of the exercises that they tell you to do and usually there's stuff that i already do anyway but it's just said in a slightly different way um, like gratitude or making sure that you write down your goals every day and techniques that lots of people talk about in fact i'm probably going to do my own little abundance course soon um because so many people especially women have problems like asking for pay rises asking for higher day rates or asking for the work you know there's confidence issues and imposter syndrome that everybody needs to help on and I just like reading what other people are are talking about as well and how they're presenting so that's why I'm reading Jen Sincero you are a badass at making money
0: excellent and that is our show
1: thank you very much for listening we are reefer reefer no that's i reefer we are (laughs) are Refigure (laughs) refigure uk on instagram
0: and we are refigure pod on Facebook. Uh, please give us a nice review, five-star review, please, on wherever you're listening. Ten stars. A hundred stars on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Tell your friends about us. We don't have a marketing department. And, See you next week. And uh, talk to you next week. Yeah, stay safe. Ta-ra. Ta-ra for now.